Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. Ross and my Hammers 11. I hope you're all safe and well. News channel, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell icon so you know for the main time we put new content on. Obviously, we have videos going up daily but sometimes two, three times a day, and I wouldn't want you to miss any of the great stories, any of the great memories, any of the great players we speak about. Um, so make sure you hit that bell icon. Today's guest, lifelong hammer, George Mann. Hi, George. How are you? Hello, Ross. How are you, mate? You are well? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. How's lockdown treating you? It's been okay. Um, I, quite, uh, I quite enjoyed the lockdown part of it because uh, I had to work from home and um, spent more time with my boy and my wife and... Uh, yeah, quite often when I'm at work, I get home and um, it's seven o'clock. He doesn't want to go to bed, and I'm knackered. He's knackered, so it's been nice to have some quality time. Yes. Um, I have to say, I wasn't majorly missing the football in my life. Um, <laughs> since it's come back, it's been fun to, you know, we've the West Ham guys have been connecting on Zoom every Sunday for quizzes, um, so we've kept in contact that way. But uh, you know, we, we we watched the first couple of games on Zoom, and what you know, wasn't a wholly enjoyable experience you know the zoom was great but the, the football less so yeah i know i know i know but it's uh yeah it's one of those things that someone said to me once foot you know going particular going to west ham for the last couple of seasons has been a bit of a chore um but it's a chore they want to bring back and although we moan about it it's uh it gives us something new to talk about doesn't it really um it does um we kind of find why you know you, you find ways every month to make it a bit better when you go over there really um but you know we, we found we found a kind of an acceptable way but it's never going to be what it was at upton park it's never going to be what it was when you could stroll from the black line to nah. you know the ground at probably at three and uh you know but it is what it is it is what it is exactly and that, that's that's my whole philosophy of life at the moment uh i think it's uh it's put to be honest this whole thing that's happened in the last few months has has really put a has really put football into perspective for me do you know what i mean in terms of you know it, it's it's a pastime in it where it used to be i used to be so into it and, and, and actually you got to think you know a pandemic's happened and you know it's great that it's come back it, you know doesn't matter what well, happens think, yeah i think it was, i think it's also the fact that you know I, I, i've turned down jobs because i'm gonna be able to go to football mm. you know jobs in america and stuff like that i don't think i feel that way now because i think that bit of you know there's something so I was born in Plaster and you know my grandparents and everyone else was from there, my parents. And there was something like so incredibly connected to your identity mm. about going to the bowling, which is not there anymore. And mm. I think that's why that, that's kind of the main difference now. Um I, you know, we've still got the mates, we still go and you know, it's not all been all bad at the Olympic Stadium because you know, for the first time we've all been able to sit together. We've got a block of sixteen of us together. Oh wow. Um but it's yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, it's a chore you want to come back. You know, you, you, it'd be nice to be able to know you can walk up there, but it's completely safe, COVID free. Yeah, and watch a yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I mean, it on a computer screen. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and then sort of chatting to your mates properly. And you're right. I mean, the the football is is 
and you know it has always been secondary to West Ham fans because you wouldn't have been West Ham fans if football was the most important thing it's about as you said sort of seeing your mates and your family connections and things like that that's that's what's come through particularly in this series that sort of community feel so you know obviously I see people like Mark and stuff like that and they say oh get George on and, and yeah. you know and that's and that's what's great it's the, sort of this um sort of yeah recording all these memories for prosperity more than anything which is quite nice yeah so and so so for you george obviously you know we sort of alluded to it already so you were sort of born into a west ham family really so it was yeah was i mean sort of, um, I've, I've often thought about this i think because uh i think if i'd have chosen a team it could have been either walls because i like john richards when i was growing up or man city because they had the same awake they're awake it was the same with my cubs team and i used to like <laughs> you know uh, and when I went, I went up to university, I went to Lancaster. Uh, my roommate was a Man City fan, so I used to go to Main Road all the time. Uh, but they were really terrible. Um, but, you know, it, it was just never an option for me. I, you know, um, my uncle, who's now 80, sort of, you know, uh, took me to my first game, you know, when I was seven. And it was always a thing. And I remember sort of sitting at the top of the um, stairs where my mum was talking. It was my mum's brother-in-law. And I was sitting at the top. I could tell what they were talking about. They were on the phone, and go. I'm not sure I was ready to go. And I was saying, oh, "I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go." <laughs> and, uh, and it was just an amazing experience. You know, you come the first time you go, and they were on the South Bank. It was a cup game against QPR. It's, it was all the cliches. The crowd was swing, swinging from side to side. My feet didn't touch the ground, but I just thought it was you know, absolutely exhilarating at that time. Yeah. yeah, we were. You know, you know, you know I was. I was seven when I went that first time in '75. And by the time I was 12, we'd won the cup twice, got into Europe. Yeah. You know, a year later in the League Cup final, so I thought it was all gravy, really. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, obviously things have been a bit changed since then. But, it, yeah, it was just a massive, it, you know, it was just such a brilliant thing to be, you know, a sort of a schoolboy West Ham fan. Even when we went down and whatever else, you just felt that you were really part of something. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. As you say, they, they lulled you into a full sense of security, yeah. didn't they? Buggers. But West Ham, you know, but it's, it's come round because you know um, a lot of the friends I have now. I mean, uh, you know, connections. I might, you know, when I went to, I work at the BBC and I worked at Five Live for you know quite a long time, and I met mates through there because of West Ham. We went because yeah. we were both going on our own, so we said, okay, let's go together. And then that group grew and grew and grew, and you know, to the group that's sixteen now, mm. so kids and things like that. So. You know, in that way, it's also given me, a, you know, it's not just the stuff that I got when I was a kid, but it's what I got in later life as well. And Definitely. the people I met through that. So, you know, it's, it is a fantastic thing. Yeah, no, totally. And as you said, with the with the kids, with obviously your 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 kids and obviously, you know, uh, the other 16, Mark's, Mark's sons and stuff, you know, as you said, it's going to hopefully continue and grow and grow and grow. Yeah. Which is yeah. absolutely brilliant. You'll be taking over the gaff soon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not sure my son's got the same sort of sense of identity because <laughs> I'm a different sport now, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you can watch it whenever you want. So, you know, you don't have to go to a game to see a game. No, you're true. So, uh, but we'll see how it goes. He's, you know, he was, uh, he was wearing his West Ham pyjamas last night. And he insisted, his mate was over, who's a Sunderland fan. Oh, and uh, he insisted on having the West Ham uh, towel when he was drawing off after the pool. So, yeah. <laughs> Fair yeah, enough. It does warm the cockles of your heart when you're, when you're, uh, when my daughter and your son, you know, Ops to pick their West Ham kit. They have all the. My daughter particularly has. As you can imagine she's an eight year eight year old Essex girl. She's got quite an array of of outfits, but she picks her West Ham kit, and it gives me a sense of ah, oh, there is a little bit. There is a little bit in there. Yeah. And particularly, I think my my boy's quite contrary, but so yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, he does, he he does play a lot of football, so it's not it's all right. It's always he can always wear it when he plays football. Yeah. Obviously, in the last three months he hasn't. But um, I, I think he, he will wear anything but the West Ham kit unless he's playing football. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the sale, I just want a, a new Gold Gibbs kit. He played quite a lot of goal. Yeah, my, 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 my £20 shirt came today, so that was all right. That was my, uh, oh, my late, a late father's present and my, and my face mask as well. My West Ham oh, face mask, club shop face mask when I go back when we play Chelsea. Um, so that'd be fun. So I'll wear it unlike, unlike other people wear them. Um, as well. yeah, it's happened last time, but yeah, yeah it's actually quite good. It's, it's one that's you know, you wear glasses yeah. like me. That's the only trouble I've had probably at the moment is that my, my glasses keep steaming up when I put the face my, mask on. Sadly, I've got I've, I, I, I took delivery yesterday of a very tarty William Morris one because it's the only one I could find that had tie backs. Yeah, the backs, my head is I've got big head and small ears, so yeah. I've, I've bought several masks that just pinged <laughs> off. 
So um, I've been, yeah, I've got a sort of a one that ties up at the back from something called the Radical Tea Towel Company. They're absolutely beautiful. Oh. Uh, but you know. I wouldn't have gone to that much trouble over a mask. It wasn't no, I know, I know. I, I have incredibly small ears as well for my for my for my head, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's just uh, the 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 ones that the temporary ones, the, the the blue ones. I just can't. I just ugh, no. don't like them. But yeah, I've got I've got a couple now, so uh, yeah. I've got I've got uh, so at least something at least something colours for when we go <laughs> the game yeah. back to the away get the home games again. We go back to go to Chelsea next week, so we'll see what happens. Um, so so obviously, George, you know, from sort of the seventies onwards, there, there's lots of there's lots of times, particularly happier times earlier on in your career in terms of uh, rest and career, in terms of victories and stuff. But is there any sort of like key moments or key games or key goals or any sort of memories which stick out, which, you know, maybe not, maybe not obvious ones, you know, that of your time. No, well, there's, there's loads. I mean, I remember sort of going, I, went, I was at the Eintracht Frankfurt semi final oh, wow. in the 76. And uh, yeah, that was my first night game. It was, I got still, I, wow a scar on my lip where I fell forward onto a stanchion because I was I was sitting on or fell off a stanchion I was sitting on the on the south bank on the stanchion by my uncles and um we scored you know to take us through at the final and I went forward I hit my face on somebody's shoe at the bottom split me <laughs> but you know I was sitting cheering you know I, I had this a uh, big long coat which meant I couldn't sort of free my legs yeah so uh, that was massive fun uh there's so many but I think the the one I enjoyed most of all was 1986, the last time game rate six against uh, Ipswich when we won 2 1. Yeah. Uh, Mark Hoard went down in installments to win the penalty. Terry Butch was absolutely furious. Um, and I went, <laughs> when I was working for the BBC, we went to uh, a, a Turkey and there was just a lot hanging around because there was no England fans allowed there. So, and it was all, you know, it, thankfully it was very, very peaceful. It gave us a lot of spare time. I was sitting and speak to Terry Butcher about it. And he was hilarious about how oh, that little sod Mark Ward, well, I didn't say sod, and he, he talked about how he went in, he, he caved the referee's dressing room in, went in, got him by the throat off, because basically he essentially relegated it, switching on it six as well. And we thought we were going to win the, um, the title, dancing on the pitch, just like nothing, you know, best feeling ever. Yeah. And Doug Leishman had spoiled it at Chelsea at the weekend. So, um, you know, it, you know, just goes to show you can't trust Chelsea for anything, but. Um, it was a magic night because you just thought it was just very, very special. Yes. Um, that kind of moment where you felt that, you know, you were, it was like a little bit what it's like to be at the top table, really, because West Ham, you know, you know, we've had all those great players over the years. And, you know, as Harry Redknapp used to say, shows how crap the rest of them were. They couldn't win anything with three World Cup winners in the team. Yeah. And, but you know, in that 86 time, we ju- it just felt magic. And, uh, you know, I kind of thought we'd, we'd let it go. We had a bit of stuff around uh, Easter, mm. um, but it was it was a great great night, and uh, I think it was either Wednesday or Thursday night. And um, there used to be a club in Ilford called the Shannon, which was uh, right by Seven Kings Station, which is a sort of Irish club, Catholic yeah. place. And uh, there used to be a, a DJ called Tony Littleleg, as you only get in these sort of places. And on the Friday after that, he played bubbles at the end of the night, two o'clock in the morning. Not all West Ham fans didn't end well and it was like you know I was sitting there with my then girlfriend sort of trying to pick up a bits of broken glass and broken bodies to get back to the car to get home so yeah, it was a time we felt we were the sense of the world um I mean that that is probably my you know it's just loads and loads yeah, of times yeah. and sometimes just the regularity of going it was mm. you know I, I moved uh from deepest Essex to Hornchurch when I was 14 and uh, we lived opposite a district line station Humpster Bridge so I didn't have to worry about anyone taking me or driving me I could just yeah. jump on the tube and then um, the old South Bank used to have the shelf on the near the chicken run and you, you know, used to have to get there at half past one and yeah you know, I did that all the time you know, until I started you know playing football again for the school but yeah you went there and you just you know it, it was your day it was your day you go there and people you never you'd never the people from Stratford from Plaza from all over because I went on my own and um, very few of my mates at school West Ham fans but I just I enjoyed spending time and talking to people and talking about the game and just seeing top class football either from us or from the opposition um, during that time so it, it was just a great great time yeah. and that, you know, yeah. just that, that emotional connection and just you think about the family time to time your dad's proposition you're saying you're going on Boxing Day morning and um, there's just loads and loads of fantastic but the other one I really that really sticks in the mind 
is I think the uh, the 2003 playoff at home to again against Ipswich, funny enough, yeah. where we um, we we lost the way and we had to put it out of fire with pace top gallop and you know being played out there and that, you know that was as, as as shaking as much as I've ever seen that that stadium. So yeah. you know, a lot of those games here, you, there's just it, you know, obviously the last game as well. You just mm. Realise what you were losing. It's just incredibly difficult times, but yeah, yeah, I just loved it. I mean, it's, it's you know contributed so much to my life. Yeah, well, it is. It, is, it has taken a, a big chunk of your life as well, isn't it? Where you think about when you started watching them and stuff, and you, it's only now when you look back at things like this type of this type of sort of series. Really, I've I've looked back and realised how much. West Ham sort of has not not emotionally, but how much West Ham has sort of um, played a part in my life. You know, with like you know, as you said, you said you know you, you might have turned down jobs for West Ham and things like that. Mm. And you know, it's just it's it's weird how it sort of just it just gets in there. It just gets into the fabric of everything you do, yeah. without realizing. But as most, it does. And you, I mean, but also, you know, I I, I talk about it a lot. The, when I, I went to university in nineteen eighty six, I was you know. My accent was a lot broader than it was then, and yeah. you know, you're trying to connect with people. The friends I had there, whether they were to do with, you know, the course I was on or the people I lived with, mm. was involved with the radio station or went to music gigs. The one thing they all had in common is they went to live football. That's yeah. very, very, you know, you don't understand that in 1986, going to live football was not a popular pursuit. Mm. The game was in decline. Um, you know, it was after, just after Heisel, before Hillsborough. You know, although it was a very you know sketchy for a lot of people that looked down on people who went to football, but you know those people now that are my friends from then are the people who went to football. There's a kind of a connection that you understand. <clears throat> pardon me, when when you met another one like you, and that wasn't always the case. You know, uh, up there, you know, you, you, you know, and it was great. And it's, I said, you know, I was saying before I went on there that um, you know my. My, one of my best mates from university was a Man City fan. I was at Lancaster. We used to go down there all the time because we just wanted. To, I just wanted to watch some football, and he was going. I thought, fine, excellent. Yeah, we go and do that. And you know, it, you know, some of my best, you know, best mates are Reading fans and Wigan fans, and people just went. They just laughed about it as me. One of my mates, when Reading were in the third division, uh, you know, when he was sixteen, did all forty-six games home and away. It's like that's just insane. That's Reading. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know you have that connection when you meet people, even from different countries. So. It's true. It's true. I mean, when I was I went to Loughborough, and, and my and my housemates, we were yeah. That's that was the common denominator was football, wasn't it? Really, that's how you became friends. And so, one was a Sheffield Wednesday yeah. fan, and so you know when when we were playing United Sheffield United at Bramall, we'd come to meet with me. We'd go away together, and I always had this sort of irrational hatred of Sheffield United before everything happened because because he was a Wednesday fan. So my other mate, he was Don Revy's grandson, so we'd go to Leeds quite a bit um as well but you know they, they'd come down as well for you know if i had to do a reserve team game and i'd see the announcing they'd come and sit in the box at upton park you know we'd be a, I don't know an hour and a half an hour 45 drive down to the game we we're playing i don't know fulham reserves or something like that being nil nil uh, and then we're driving the car and drive the way back again you know back to loughborough but uh it's what it was wasn't it and you said it's just it, it brought everyone yeah. together it did um and, you know, so we talk about Sheffield United. But, you know, I, sh- I mean, when I was working, I'm working in Stoke, and I was sharing a house with the Sheffield United fan. I just got back in contact because he's um, he's a primary school head teacher. Has been all over the news. I just sort of thought, oh, I know that bloke. And I, you know, last time I saw him was 25 years ago in Stoke. And yeah, we uh, the first thing he said was, you know, good job we didn't know you. Good job we weren't in contact in 2007 because that, that's when all the tele stuff blew up. And um, so we're gonna, if we do stay up, we'll uh, we'll hook up either. Oh, here brilliant. in Sheffield next year. Brilliant. Well, even even if the worst happens and and it doesn't and you know we don't we're not we're not around in the Premier League. You know Neil Warnock's obviously still around. His middles with boss now, isn't he? So we'll still have someone to shout. There's only one Carlos Tevez at. So yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I think I mean I I think the most you know I think it's time we let it go a bit really. I mean, <laughs> if I, if I, no, that, that's what made me laugh. Yeah, sorry. I mean, I think. The trouble is, I mean, I think part, you know, part of the things that I don't know if you've seen the Dan United film where Brian Clough sort of throws all the pictures out of Reverie out and uh, says, you know, we need to, you can't keep looking back. I think that, yeah, we've got to look to the future now. So, you know, we're, we're in this new era and I don't think we're we're killing it at all. We're just, yeah, we know no. we're, we haven't latched on to what this 
club is going to be in the 2020s. But, no, you know, you're right. It's, you know, everybody says, when Mark Noble says, this club isn't a circus anymore. Well, Fred Carno's been on the pitch for the last five years and it's not looking great, is it? Mm. I think a lot of that is we can look back at the moments like Terry's, we can look back at you know, the cup wins and whatever else and convince that ourselves that it's all okay, but it's not okay, is it? So. Mm. Anyway, looking back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looking back. Looking back at, at, at the whole point of my, uh, my, my channel. Thanks, George. Um, so, as I said, one of the things we're doing, we're doing this 11. So, okay, we'll, 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 we'll deal with the future in a few games' time. We'll wait, yeah, let's get this season out of the way. We'll yeah, sure, no. That's we'll absolutely fine. I mean, it's great to talk about it back, but I'm just talking about... I'm the just, not mate, so much. I know. I'm just wanting you. It's about, yeah, it's about the way the club sees itself. I think, yeah. True. We're, we're, we're in an emergency at the moment. It worries me. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, and, go on. And, and as you said, we are, it's, you know, it's, it is proper squeaky bum time now. So, and... Um, but it is what it is, you know. It's, it's not what we can do about it now. So we just got to just play with the cards, isn't it? Unfortunately, and uh, I'm always the half, I'm always the half glass filled person. But it's getting slightly less every game, <laughs> slightly less. My my optimism, but we'll see what happens. Um, anyway, there are, let's, there, there are three other terrible teams down there. Yeah. That is the only safe. So there are three other terrible teams down there, which is yeah. You know, and we are like, playing. You, know, you tell me that I'll be. Uh, yeah, and we are know, playing. I'm, too. I'm, I'm, I'm basing my whole. I'm basing my whole day and evening around get, make sure I'm back in time to watch Bournemouth against Wolves. I know. Because that's the most significant thing in my day today. So. I know, I know, I know. And we are playing two out of those, or probably, well, including Watford. Obviously, we've got, we've got three games, haven't we? So we've got, obviously, the Norwich, Norwich and Villa and, and, and Watford. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Anyway, back to, your, back to the Hammers 11. Yeah. So the idea is 11 players, your 11 can be whoever you want to talk about, as long as you've seen them live. That's the only caveat. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd all put Bobby Moore in the team. And I haven't seen yeah. him, so it's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, if My dream 11 would have Bobby Moore in, but my, my own 11, I wouldn't have, you know, I haven't seen him play, so that's why I didn't put him in. Um, and obviously, for this, we did say, you know, you can do 4 4 2, you can do 3 5 2. It's up to you. I've, I've given you an open brief, George, for this. Okay. That's why. Well, That's what it. I've done, I've done a theme. Oh, brilliant. I've done a theme, the theme they should never have left West Ham. Oh, I like now, it. Now, that means they should never have left West Ham for their benefit, <laughs> or they should never have left West Ham for our benefit, or the way they left West Ham was disgraceful. Now, you can decide which each of these go into it. So, brilliant. it's a four-four-two. Brilliant. Okie dokie. Right. And Who's going to uh, go in goal first? We're going goal then, George. I think if you're looking at they should never have left West Ham, it's got to be Rob Green, who I think, you know, you could argue, I think probably if I was doing this on a completely objective thing, you know, my love for Phil Parks is unbound. Yeah. But I think in terms, you know, Robert Green was a great goalkeeper for us and a great modern goalkeeper. He, was, he had great distribution. He was fantastically athletic. He won us games that uh, we shouldn't have won. Um, I probably loved Adrian Moore. Uh, I certainly loved big feel more and I think he'd probably achieve more with us. I think Robert Green was a great, great goalkeeper. And it just goes to show how bad agents and bad decisions could ruin your career. Because he left us when he was 31. He he said, oh no, I'm going to get a better contract. There was talk about Arsenal coming in and they signed someone else. And in the end, you know, we signed, I can't remember who we signed as a replacement. Um, but we signed a replacement, they came in and so he went to QPR. Played two games for Mark Hughes, lost the first one 5 0, and then instantly they bought Julio Cesar. And he spent, you know, most of the next season you know, getting splinters on his backside. Yeah, um, obviously, that club, you know, has been, you know, from that moment, it's been an absolute basket case in the way it's been run at QPR. But he went there, then Harry came in, put him in and off the bench, but he never really fulfilled his dreams. You know, he left us when he was 31 32. You know, those are three, yeah, for goalkeepers as well organised and as talented as Rob Green. It should have been his golden years, really. Yeah. It should have been, you know, should have been playing for champions, either for us or, if not, it should have gone for a Champions League club. And he, his own hubris brought him down, I think. And I think it's a real shame. I think it's a fantastic player. Mm. And um, I just wish he hadn't left, left us. It seemed, yeah, at the time I was thinking, who's, who's interested in this? In whose interest is he? He hasn't, he hasn't got a nil-down club to go to. He's yeah. got to go out and find another keeper. It's just... It's just insane. Yeah. So 
be my number one. Good chap. Yeah, they love it. You're totally right. Totally right. He's, and he was a good kid. I mean, he was a great kid. He said, you know, Mark for good keep when he wins when he wins games we shouldn't have won because of him. And uh, he did that. Yeah, fantastic record saving penalties as well. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, and he was one well, of his real, you know, I remember Phil Parks had the longest throw I've ever seen. He could throw it not further than most people could kick it. But Robert Green was a very, you know, modern, intelligent footballer. He understood the whole thing. You know, he would have been five years younger. Pep would have signed in for Man City because mm. he's got that brilliant sort of distribution mm. and that eye for, you know, setting up attacks and stuff yeah. like that. So it was an all-around keeper. Yeah. That's good. Player. Yeah, good player, and, and he didn't take himself too seriously in that respect. You know, when we, you know, we had the whole, uh, you know, England number six and stuff, and and he, he yeah, took it in good that. art. Do you know what I mean? Cool stuff. And he actually had England number six on his didn't he? Or was it? Yeah. No, he's yeah, good. Yeah, um, in Broadway, he said life outside football. I love it. I yeah, life outside football. We went out one. Well, went out for dinner with my wife once, and uh, around 2010, and he was in a restaurant. Yeah. And, you know, Tom was saying, "Can I speak to him?" He looked like he was having. He looked like what he was, which was a, a bloke on a Friday or Saturday night out. He'd half a dozen mates, having a perfect sensible time. It was a, it's, you know, it was a decent restaurant. You know, I respect the fact he was there because it's not really a footballer's restaurant. Yeah. And, you know, he had life outside football. He had a bit of culture about him, and I thought, yeah. Anyway, a sad loss to him and a disastrous move. Sad yeah. loss for us and a disastrous move for him. And, a, dis- QPR, was and it? a disastrous haircut he has now. I know. Somebody said he looked like a midget gem. Which I <laughs> midget thought was, gem. Uh, quite fun. That's a good shout. That's I mean, brilliant. I, 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 saw, uh, I, saw, I, was in, I was in work uh, when I saw it. I took a photograph because uh, I've, I've got TV on my desk at work. Yeah. Uh, it was on, it was on uh, Sky News. Yeah. And I sent it yeah. round to uh, our West End group. And nobody worked out who it was or anything like that. I mean, it's just, you do wonder what's going on inside that head, do you? It does, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there's lockdown most... haircuts, there's lockdown haircuts. Yeah, it's one of the most unusual lockdown haircuts we've seen, <laughs> that's for sure. Right, okay, put Greeno in. Let's go left back then, George. Who do we have left back? Left back, this is a kind of uh, certainly one that we've got in my all time 11, but it was Julian Dix. Yeah. Um, a fantastic player, John Lyle signed. Um, one of his last signs of it wasn't it really mm. but he um he he came to us um was a fantastic player for the moment he touched the ball you could see you know as well as having the physicality and just had a fantastic skill a man that um that should have played many times for england but apparently according to him john gorman said he'll never play well you got a skinhead like that um who was hoddle's assistant and he left and he went, um, he was lured away by Graham Souness because he thought he was his sort of player uh, to go to Liverpool. And he may have been Souness's sort of player, but he wasn't Liverpool's sort of player. Um, and, um, you know, Souness got sacked because they got tanked early in there. Roy Evans didn't like him, stuck him with a 15-year-old. It was a terrible decision to move there. Eventually he got himself injured again while he was up there. Um, and again, a player that just shouldn't have left West Ham. He, he's, you know, a guy from Bristol, but um, whose entire life is in Essex now. Yeah. Grew up yeah. and, you know, sort of really adopted the club and had a connection with the fans that no other one did. You, you think about the players now, about you look at that, who, who, goes, who on that pitch do I relate to? You know, Michael Antonio, is he, I mean, is he the only, Mark Noble? They're the only Londoners in that team. And, you know, they're Brits who grew up here and they probably understand what it means to play for the club. You know, you know I don't know what, who Mikel grew up supporting, but, you know, you don't think that there's any sort of lack of passion, lack of understanding what it mm. means to pull on a shirt. Mm. And Dix was of that manner, yeah. uh, combined yeah. with a fantastic talent. I think it was an absolute outrage. He didn't have 50 sister cats for England. He yeah, saw totally. something rubbish being... You know, yeah. he could have you know, been fantastic in things like Euro 96. But, you know, it was never meant to be. So that, that's my left back who should never yeah. have left us. Good shout. Yeah, Julian. Let's go right back. Right back. Then, right. George. I'll be interested to know if anyone else has said this. Sebastian Schemmel. A, a couple, a couple, but carry really? on. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Well, he was, he was a fantastic player for one season, but I've never seen any player decline so fast. <laughs> he, won, he won Hammer of the Year, that was in 2002. Yeah. And then in 2003, he, he mentally just evacuated. 
And you know, I, I was looking through, looking him up for this, and it, we signed him for Mets. And um, uh, yeah, I think the, the Mets president described him as being heroically unstable. And I think that obviously what was going on there, Harry got hold of him when he came over, and that first season, <coughs> he, uh, you know, he he, um, he 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 connected and he he slotted in. But then, you know, whatever it was, whatever was ailing him at Mets clearly got to him again because he was looked like he'd never he'd gone from being hammer of the year to a player in about three months and looked like he'd never played a game before. And he, I mean, I just wonder if he could have got there and sorted it out. Obviously, you know, Roller wasn't the greatest man manager, as we know from other places with yeah. um, other things that went on that year. But somebody could have been able to sort of manage that club because after he left us, it was about he drifted, at, he went to Portsmouth, did nothing. And went to La Havre, did nothing, and was tired by 29. For a man with that talent, you just don't understand how that happens. And I think that if we'd have kept him, I know it's a long, long shot, but if we'd have kept him, he um, maybe somehow we could have rehabilitated him, got him back to the heights he was before. Yeah. But he was clearly, he had substantial off the field yeah. issues. And um, no, you know, I, I just, it's just one of the most mysterious players I've ever seen play for us. Yeah, he was absolutely fantastic. Disappeared and fell off a cliff. Yeah, I think it's because he cut his hair. Yeah. If I remember, yeah, it, you know, it, it, he had the, the and then and then it went the and then nineties Alice Band thing. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah he was sort of a, you know, which uh, all of us might be looking to adopt. Yeah, the, I, I uh, would only wish, George. I would love uh, to have worn an Alice Band once in the last four years, at least. I reckon. Maybe even less than that since my at least eight years since my daughter's come yeah. along. It's got no, no. Up. It's uh, well, my son, my son now uh, looks like Tim Burgess from the Charlatan. <laughs> He's got a haircut down there, and um, he, you know, which keep trying to say him, he needs to put something in it to hold it up and stuff like that. It won't let me cut it. Won't let my wife cut it. Um, so yeah, no. Anyway, enough about Alice Bands. Yeah, enough about Alice Bands. Right, we'll put seven. Let's go centre backs. And George, George, who's your first centre back? Uh, first centre back that's never left West Ham, James Collins. Because I think that he had, I mean, I was surprised at how good his career at Villa was because I was looking it up. He had, you know, you know, I expect him to play, you know, 50 games across four years, but he had a pretty good contribution there. Mm. But they just didn't like him. I don't know what it was. And I was several Villa fans and they, I, I was absolutely, there, there's another player in this 11. I just think I've got this big thing that there are certain players that fit certain clubs and yes. he may be Welsh, but he was made to play for West Ham. There's something about his commitment, his skill, his understanding. You know, I remember when he was injured before he went to Villa, he would, you know, he'd, he'd come away. And, you know, you know, I saw him away at Arsenal last year. Uh, not the one just gone, but the year before. And he, he went away. I saw him in the stands at Stoke, you know, when he was injured during his first spell. And he was just somebody who clearly fitted the club. He liked, you know, maybe it's a combination of the club, the fans, you know, living in the Essex countryside. Yeah. So, all right. He just absolutely fitted in, and I think from that point of view, you know, we sold him to Villa for reasons. You know, we, we weren't exactly over blessed with centre halves at that stage. No, but I don't know why. You know, and he went to he went to Villa, was there for four years, wasn't particularly loved, didn't really cut it, wasn't their superstar. He was in and out of the team, mm. and then he came back to us, and it felt it felt you know. But a long lost relative coming home with feeling. Yeah. I'm not a great fan of people coming back. Dixie came back and I worked out, you know, and others have come back. But a lot of people come back, you know, you think about Yossi, you think about Joey, he didn't quite work out for them. Mm. But he was one that definitely did. I think he almost had a longer career second time than he did the first. Yeah. And you know, when the club were struggling with things such as the move and the atmosphere, you know, the site, the one thing that could get you going was the site of Ginge running out, either coming up yeah. the sub or Dying for it just because yeah, it's complete commitment. Um, I had um, there's a guy called uh, do you know Hammerhead Shark? If you come across him, he's a, he's a great Twitter account, he writes it, but he you know, talks about how yeah, his big thing is always about West Ham's recruitment and retention and sort of bringing young players at the right time. I said, Yeah, but you know, Ginger's special. He said, No, he's not special. I said, Yes, he is special. So, um, yeah, that would be one of my center backs. The yep. other one would be Tony Gale. Because again, the way he was let go at West Ham was absolutely shocking. He played for us for 10 years. He had a fantastic uh, season with us, but he was let go um, while running out for his last game. 
He was told by Billy Bonds, he was told, you know, make the most of it, mate, because it's your last game. We're going to release you at the end of the month. So he had no, t- he completely spoiled his last game. He never had the chance to digest it, never had a chance to soak up the atmosphere. Mm. And also he left and he was going to go and um, I think he went to train with Barnet and he got a call from Kenny Dalglish to go and play for Blackburn. But he won a league title. Yep. So, you know, you won the Premier League with Blackburn, which is absolutely fantastic. But shock for West Ham, you know, it was uh, a few months after he uh, he had that nightmare at the um, where Keith Hackett sent him off for 1991 <laughs> Cup semi-final, which I was there for. And, you know, it just seemed like bad timing, bad darts, just bad everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Billy was a fantastic server. I think he got that one wrong. I think the club should have found a better way to, you know, cherish somebody who played yeah. so long for yeah. us. And, you know, Stabers, we went down came back up with us and, you know, was a top, top player. Mm, definitely, definitely. No, I agree with that. Yep, yeah, the other I, thing I know about him, uh, I was looking at, uh, again, you know, you're, you're poking around finding this thing. Inter- his name was Reggie. I didn't know why his, uh, his, his nickname was Reggie, but according to Wikipedia, it's because his quicksilver wit reminded the other players of Reggie Cray. Yes, that's what I heard. <laughs> I thought, you know, yeah. <laughs> murderous gangster in the East London. Yeah, exactly. That's why he called him Reg. Yeah, no, I didn't get that one either. I didn't get that one at all. Uh, yeah, very weird, very weird. But So, uh, so that's more back five. Yep, yeah, nice. Green, okay, Shemmel, Collins, yeah. Gale Dick. So, you know, it might not be the nice. best of the back five, but it's not a bad one, is it? it they'd all play for the shirt, wouldn't they? As yeah. as as is the as is the thing everyone's saying at the moment, they'd all play for the shirt, right? Okie dokie. And what was interesting about Collins? I was talking to someone today actually about about James Collins, because they put Winston Reid in their team, and they said the thing is, I don't think you know Winston Reid. You know, they were they was making comparisons to James Collins and saying you know that James Collins was like a real West Ham cult hero, and Winston Reid wasn't because. He didn't get because he's of his personality, being New Zealand, maybe not being as passionate. Uh, where where Ginge, you know, he'd jump into Chav Corner, wouldn't he, and throw his shirt yeah. in the crowd. And, and it's funny how the, as you said, being related to play, uh, making players be feel feel um, you can relate to them. And Ginge, as you said, because he was like a fan, so to speak, he'd go to the away games, he'd jump. Yeah. You know, it has that closer bond than someone maybe of Reeds who who was a fantastic you know sense back for us and arguably again same year went down and stayed with us and da, da, da. and it was just interesting sort of like the differences of of people in terms of how they yeah, react I, with I, the I, crowd. I I mean I have never caught, thought there was any kind of lack of commitment from Winston Reed because no, not commitment but I think it's a connection. I mean and and also you know nobody who ever saw him score that goal against Millwall never <laughs> you know doubt the fact that he was a fantastic for West Ham. I, I, I mean, he's. I think the problem with Winston is that they gave him a contract uh, when he was injured. Yeah. And, you know, wasn't the brightest decision. He's on a massive contract. He's got no incentive to go anywhere else. That's true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah again, it's just, it was just interesting because he because it's like how different players connect with the fans, and you know, it's not saying it's commitment, but it's, it's his connection with the fans. Whereas Ginge, his connection with the fans is so strong um, that he could walk into any any pub and you know everyone would buy him drinks. Yeah. You know that, that's what I mean. Right. Okay. We'll put that. That's about five. Let's go into midfield then, George. Who's your left midfield then? Well, it'll be a left winger. Yep. And it'll be Paolo. I think I put Paolo on the left wing. I think it's. Uh, Again, it's about the manner of his leaving. He was, a, you know, Paolo. There's a couple of players in here that were, you know, two or three players that get to my all-time yeah. West Ham eleven of just on sheer, sheer ability. Paolo's one of those. He's a t- guy that um, lifted the club. Nobody was quite sure what we were getting into when we no. bought him after the after you know the the Paul Alcock thing where he pushed him over. But he was a fantastic, intelligent footballer committed football his skills were like nothing I'd seen in years mm. I mean certainly not in the Premier League era he's, he's quick he's, he used to drive me nuts that a player with the quickest feet used to want to take all the corners rather than <laughs> being in the middle of and scoring them but yeah he was, he was a fantastic expression as a man and in the year we went down in 2003 that something went badly wrong mm. where he just him and Rhoda clashed and Rhoda decided to drop him he was injured when he came back. He won't play him, and I think that you know that pig-headedness by Rhoda. I don't know what it was all about, but it meant that mm. it cost us. It, it cost us it, a generation of players. Mm. Um, it cost us Cole, cost us Carrick. Uh, we you know we could have been, had a fantastic team then, but yeah, we decided that 
you know, the, the back manager over to Canio, and, and obviously I can understand why they did that, but it was just a, such a stupid decision. And the way he was treating his last season was disgraceful. And and we saw what we missed, and you know, when he came back, and you know, towards the end of the season, he very nearly got out of it. We did the W over the champions that year, both yeah. from yeah. Carlo, and he sort of inspiration in that. You know, we must be one of the few teams done a double over the champions and get relegated. And I think yeah. that shows what he offered. That shows what we ignored in that season. And it was an absolute disaster. Um, so, and they won't renew his contract at the end. And, you know, if they, he'd have come down. He'd have played to us in the, in the first division. Yeah, didn't he? Um, he yeah. played for like a tenner. You know, he, he, yeah, he, know. something we said, he'd, something ridiculous he'd play for. It was, it was awful. Uh, it still grieves me now. And he went to Charlton, where a friend of mine happened to be working. Uh, and when he went there, he just shows a class of the guy. When he was driving there to sign, he phoned up the office. He said, how many women are there in the office? And he was told, blah, 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 there's a dozen in there. They all got a bunch of flowers. They'd say, this is from Paolo. Thank you for letting me come to your club. He went into the change. He went into the club shop, bought something for all his nephews and nieces and everything else like that. With the Kenya one, charmed everyone. Yeah, but, you know, he was so upset by leaving West Ham. He determined to make an impact. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a, a, the same guy who, who doesn't work there anymore uh, was talking about how his job was to engage with local minority communities. And there was a Nigerian festival going on over um, somewhere in um, Thamesmead. And he took Paolo over there, who was supposed to sit there, uh, open the festival, shake hands, uh, go back you know, go back to his, uh, you know, his penthouse flat in Docklands. Uh, two and a half hours later, he's got his Armani suit off playing with basically all these fellas about six foot five and big with it. And he's like, you know, running around, he's sitting there, just like thinking, if our new, most expensively paid player gets injured here, I'm going to be absolutely murdered. There's nothing he could do to get him off. He's, you know, he's enthusiasm for the game. He's infect- yeah. infectiousness yeah. around. You know, he just represents everything that's right about football at West Ham. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, that, that decision to go for a cheap manager after Harry, is, is still costing us now because I think that the legacy, yeah, you know, yeah. what we could have had, you know, we could have had, you know, the other great players for years and years, and mm. you know, you know, the, the foes, the coals, and everything. Oh, definitely. Else. And you could have been a. It's just sad. I don't think it, it was emblematic of anything that wrong with the club in the early two thousands. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. No, and you just said, yeah, he was Palo's Palo, isn't he? Palo's Palo. It's like I remember um, I interviewed I interviewed Nicky Hawkins from um, West Ham Fan TV, and I say it say it's quite a lot because when people talk to me about Palo, because obviously he's he infectious and his love for the club is still very very apparent. And he was doing one of those player Q and A things, event things, and Palo was the guest of honor. And and he comes in, Nick in shirt and trousers. Whatever. Paolo is obviously in his immaculate Armani suit, bronze, the Donis, the you know the, yeah. the Ray Bans. And he goes, Paolo, you look lovely. And he just turns him to Nicky and goes, I always dress up for my family. And that was it. That that was it. And that's just Paolo. And uh, so my uh, my Zoom hold photograph. Yeah, is me and Paolo. Yeah, uh, cool. I met him at the uh, I met the at the Broadway last year. With us, um, sat Willie Thorne doing a, and John Hartson, and it was just, it was just absolutely fantastic. He was, you know, nothing was too much trouble, and obviously he's doing it to get a coin, but he yeah. was, you know, like everything. You know, it's like when he played, he just left everything out. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, exactly. All right, we'll put PDC in on the left. Uh, who's going to go on the right then, George? The other side. Well, it's a slight, you know, it's a slight forcing, but Michael Carrick. Yeah, because it comes into the whole idea of players that shouldn't left West Ham. Yeah. And I think we were one penalty decision away from him staying. Because in that sem- in the 2004 playoff final against um, against Palace, yeah. when the Ocean going line and Neil Shipley scored for them, oh. the fastest man ever to score for. <laughs> I'm not a man at all. But then um, towards the end, of the second, and we were just so much the better team that day. Yeah, we tried and tried and tried, and then it was kind of, yeah then. Characters got back, brought down yeah. on the edge of the area. It just it was in the area. It was going, and we didn't get a we didn't get a free kick. We didn't get a penalty. Anything. My wife was watching her, her Millwall brothers, and they were going ha ha ha. It was a penalty, blah blah. And it, yeah, we if we'd have got that penalty, we'd have gone on to win that and go up. Carrick mm. stayed with us the year we went down. Um, he said he'd give us another year to get back up, and you know that it was just such a shame that he left because apart from everything else, he went to Spurs. 
and um, he was just a fantastic talent. Um, I also felt like apologising because I, you know, when I when they both came through, me and Mark Sandell had a you know a bet, you know, a pint, and who would be the first to play for England? Uh, Carrick, Carl, and I, you know, was sure it was going to be Joe Cole. And he said Carrick, and, and you know, the more you saw Carrick play, the more they realised he was just such a just such a fantastic, well organised yeah, yeah, yeah. passer. Yeah, I just actually loved watching him. And um, Joey and Carrick came on at half time against Mexico together, so all uh, honour was restored. Yeah, you know, restored, and yeah, you know, no, no one was damaged in the making of the spare. So, uh, but he was just such a fantastic player. He clearly loved the club, and I think that you know, you see this. You know, you remember the scorning little teenager, but he's just shown to grow, grown to be such a fantastic man. Who you know carried Man United through some very difficult times, yeah. and you know if we'd, if we'd been able to hang on to him, that would have been fantastic. Yeah, no, I agree. And and, and even now, when I I, mean, I don't do any a lot of DJing nowadays for family, but I do it for family and friends. Even if someone requests Glad or Over, I still don't play it because it reminds no. me of that day. They're all, all those yellow shirts bobbing to Glad. Oh, still makes well, that we, we we were down with. Um, a friend uh, with a friend of Mona Marks, uh, yeah. who's um, a Palace fan, Gary, you know, is a, and he was too embarrassed to celebrate because he knew how <laughs> crap they were that day. And uh, you know, and I, I was very glad because my mate at Charlton, we were away on the last day of the season the following year, and I went to see Charlton relegated, uh, Palace relegated at Charlton. And I, you know, it, it gave me an immense amount of pleasure. <laughs> so, so we saw them go up and we saw them go down as well. My wife's actually a Charlton fan as well. So, uh, you know, not particularly committed, but she always used to like to go for a day out. So, uh, yeah, we saw them go up and we saw them go down. I was very happy. Good. All right. That's good. Right. Let's go into central midfield then, George. Who's your first central midfielder? Mitch uh, Pipe. You know, we talk about players that should never have left. What a shambles that whole yeah. thing was, you know. Yeah, player of the year, player of the Euros, mm. then absolute implosion when we yeah. move to the Olympic Stadium. I don't even I won't blame the Olympic Stadium for this one, but <laughs> you know, we all know what was supposed to go on in the background and why he had to move back to Marseille. Mm. But the way he dealt with this, the way the club handled it, the yeah. way his agents handled it, there was just nothing, nothing positive about that whole situation when he went mm. back. And you know, it goes down to the fact that we yeah when we get to these kinds of players in difficult situations we should have been able to handle it better and keep that guy playing yeah um because he didn't you know he, he started off brilliant yeah that Rabona against Watford went on on the you know in the in the second season then it all just went to crap I mean yeah. off, I just think that um it grieves me as much as anyone else really because you know it, he he was the best player we've had since the county I Oh, yeah. He had absolutely fantastic ability. Um, and he, you know, again, he's one of those players that seemed to shine at West Ham. Mm. You know, he was a good player in France, but he was never you know, seen as being... Um, the man, yeah. The man. And that he was, you know, he, he, you know he, he was on the fringe of the French team. He was mm. first choice by the time he had a season with us. Yeah. So, yeah, again, a player that connected with the, with the fans and sort of liked playing here, but, you know, his own personal circumstances and the way he conducted himself led to him going for a cup price free. Um, he had he had a crap time back in Marseille. Yeah. It hasn't yeah. worked out for him. And now, you know, we lost a great player. So Dimitri Pye is my first symptom midfielder. Yep. No problems. And who's your in next terms one? of leaving, the other yep. one is Billy Bonds. Not because of the way he left as a player, but because of the way he was dealt with when he left as a manager. Sure. Um I, I can't imagine having a team about West Ham if they have Billy Bonds in there because it was, yeah, he he took he was there when I first, you know, when I was in primary school. Yeah. In fact, he was there. He, he signed uh, about a month after I was born and he's still playing when I was at, you know, when I left university. It's absolutely madness um, that he was able to put it for so long. Um, I've, anyone who doesn't like or does bad things against Billy Bonds is automatically wronging in my book. And I think that, you know, I remember Mick Harford saying he didn't want to join West Ham because he didn't want to play for a team that's reliant on a 41-year-old. Uh, and I've never forgiven him. You know, I would still spill his pint if I saw him in a bar. Um, he was just such a fantastic player for us. You know, our all-time leading appearance guy who, you know, risked his health, his, you know, his body more times than anyone else. 
yeah. he turned up on West Ham just being an absolute superstar. And we don't need to go over the details of what happened, but when he was let go as manager in 1994, it seemed nonsensical. And I can see what people try to do. I can see it might have been the right thing to do. But the manner that defines you is the way you do things, isn't it? Mm. And how you make people feel about things that, you know, West Ham have always been bad about um, keeping on club legends and, looking yeah. at, you know, you know Billy Bob, uh, Bobby Moore famously had to pay to get back into West Ham. Mm. once because they were sending tickets and I think the way they treated Bob Billy at that time was the same now obviously you know he's got a stand named off which is yeah. fantastic but you know it still doesn't make up for that time I mean I remember a couple of years after that happened I was I was um, in the press box for some reason I was either I think I might be doing club called Chris Raystrick actually and um, we went into the press box after the press conference and um Harry was giving his press conference, suddenly noticed that Billy was standing at the back, standing on a chair right at the very back, um, just looking at him. No, yeah, not being particularly, just looking at him. And you know, Harry was completely put off his stride by that. Uh, Billy was working for Capital or something like that. And um, yeah, it was just like, oh, this is a bit of a moment, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, Billy Bonds, uh, just, you know, yeah, it's great. I, 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 I'm, I, I'm very proud to sit in the Billy Bonds stand. I think. Yeah. I I love Trevor Brooking with all my heart and, you know, Bobby Moore and everything else. But to sit the Billy Bond stand is, is, a real, is a real pleasure for me. Brilliant. Yeah, now I totally get that. Makes perfect sense. Nice. Okay, we'll put Billy in. Uh, and let, let's go for the strikers, the forwards then, George. Who's your first forward? Tony Cotty. TC. A great player for us. Yeah. But the way he left and... The way he conducted himself in his last few games, and the fact he went on to go and win trophies and won absolutely nothing at Everton, has always given me a sense of fantastic sense of shadow of work. Sorry, Tony, if you're watching, I think you're a fantastic bloke. Yeah, you you moved near, near me when you got into the first team, just up the road in, in Hornchurch. Um, next to Drury Full School, he had a flat in there in his first one, and then he bought another one over the bitter end in Romford. Uh, but I just think that. I remember seeing his head go down and not wanting to be there before he went to Everton. Mm. And it's always upset me, you know, yeah. thinking about that. And he came back. I think we gave him too easy a ride when he came back. Because, you know, he did come back slightly as a concrete hero. But he went away for six years. You know, he was his last season or his second last season at Everton, they were lucky to stay up. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, was a, it was a massive issue. I'm going to Everton, it's going to be a massive club. I'm going to win the European Cup. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. It never happened for him. Mm. So uh, he shouldn't have left West Ham. Still a fantastic player. I was, you know, uh, I was like when he came back, and he showed full of enthusiasm. But he is a man who's in, you know, again another player in, you know, he has got West Ham running through his blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was born into it, unlike Ginge, and unlike you know my final player. Um, <laughs> but you know, he didn't, he, he didn't do it right. No. He didn't do it right. Yeah, I think I think by his own admission, obviously we've yeah. interviewed him and he did say that. He did say, you know, probably he didn't he left in the in the wrong way. Um and and, and you're you're right. I mean, it, what is it about Everton and play? Obviously Slav, didn't he? Slav went went to Everton to, to win trophies and you know, one bugger all as well. You know, it's something about Everton. There's and, a, there was a there was a fantastic uh, you know, slight slab thing about that transfer. Um we were playing Wimbledon at uh at Selhurst, yeah, and he was playing. And um, a mate of mine who's an AFC fan said, Do you want to come to the players' lounge after? Uh, no, well, he is an AFC fan, the way he died yeah. last year, yeah. but he uh, said, Do you want to come to the players' lounge? And obviously, what do you realize that the players' lounge at West Ham, the players' lounge at uh, Selhurst Park was a slightly different matter because basically it was just a bar, it was just an, you know, an enormous nightclub bar. So I was in there with him, and suddenly the West Ham players walk in expecting to have a chat. Whoever it was then, let's uh, say I don't know, Dennis Wise, whatever else. Yeah. I didn't want to that. Um, basically, supported by supplies by West Ham, and a couple of players started going up to slap. Uh, so, what are you doing? What are you doing trying to get a move to Everton? There's nothing me, it is my agent. And he goes, Well, tell your agent. Oh, he's just like, he's in these, yeah. And he just like goes, Oh my God. Yeah, I'm a hard man. You know, um, but this isn't a great place to be at. But yeah, Everton, yeah, it's been our nemesis a long time, yeah. It has been. It has um, been. But yeah, I, I think that that Cotty transfer is a long part in us getting relegated. Yeah. He left us in September, which meant we had, you know, we had to scratch around. We end up with David Kelly, who was, you know, he, you know you've speak to my Newcastle mate. He's a legend, yeah. but he certainly wasn't for us. Um, 
and uh, it was a bad do all round, in my book. <laughs> okay, yep, good shout. Okay, we'll put TC in. And who is the last piece of the man puzzle? Who uh, again, that player that get surprisingly, we get into my all time 11, a player I absolutely loved. And it is, I think it's about, people always say, your favourite music is when, you're, is when you're 15, 16, 17. Yeah. And David Cross was my favourite player when I was 15, 16, 17. He never won Hammer of the Year, but he had a fantastic record for us. And we, you know, yeah. we, he joined us uh, during the season we got relegated, but we were in the second division. He was absolutely fantastic for mm. us. He, um, you felt, you always gave your belief when he was on the, which I always assumed he was like Peter with size, but I saw him a few years ago. He's only about five foot nine or five foot ten. So he's not he's not a big fella, but he was strong, he was mm. fierce, he was competitive. Um, and we loved him and he loved us. Yeah. I think that when he left, um, I think it was an absolute disaster. And he, you know, he, he was scoring just under one in two for us. Yeah. And he went on uh, he went on to play for Man City and a couple of other clubs, but he never really got it. And uh, I told you, my friend at um, university, what we really bonded on was our continuous rows that have gone on over the last 34 years about David Cross. Because <laughs> he always claims that Cross was a donkey. And, you know, we had these rows almost on our first night at university in 1986, and we're still having them on WhatsApp now. Because I, I, I got, yeah, and you, I, I, I got a t shirt of David Cross. Uh, they, there, was a, um, there was a sort of cult heroes or cult zeros website you can put your favorite player on there the picture of course i got it in there and i went to the black lion wearing it and it's like people of a certain age just went a bit quiet for me oh what one of those that's fantastic and i mean you know, we started talking about you know what player david cross was and um there is you know if you're i mean i don't know if you've done nigel Carl for any of these yes again he's exactly the same here he's yeah he makes my adoration of david cross look minimal I mean, he's, you know, he's tracked him down. He's done interviews, he's done YouTube videos with yeah. him and stuff like that. I know he's done. I haven't watched his one yet. But, yeah, he, he just hit, you know, if you're, if you're watching West Ham as a teenager during when he was playing, 77 and 82 or 83, whenever he left, yeah. you always thought you had a chance. You always thought you had faith. You know, um, and you always thought that whatever happened, he would go down fighting if he lost. Mm. So a tremendous player. And he shouldn't have left us because Man City didn't deserve him. And you no. should have seen that as career at West Ham. Because I yeah. loved him. Yeah. And he's a lovely guy. We've had him on the channel, he David. And I, 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 know, I met his daughter a couple of times. Who's um, Kate Cross, who's an uh, England international cricketer now. Yeah. And, and she's doing, you know, she's growing up being a sort of a, a superstar broadcaster. She's got it. Yeah. It is, but to be a broadcaster, she's funny, she's clever. You get the sense that she grew up in a very, very, you know, good household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and you know the love that she got from her family have made her into a sort of brilliant all-round person. Yeah, I agree. She's, um, she's great, and I think you know, I think you know, a, a, a gift to cricket fans like me from David Cross. I think, and yeah, his his son, some you know, is, is one of the record scorers in the Lancashire League. So yeah, he's obviously got a big sporting family going on out there. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, Kate. She was she had to sort out um, David Zoom. <laughs> When we yeah. interviewed him, it was really sweet. He was lovely. He was lovely, lovely guy. And that's and that's stop. That's that's completed the team nicely, George. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you so much for your time. There's a lot of thought got into that. I appreciate yeah. that. I love it when people yeah. put a bit of put a bit of background. You know, take take their time, and that, that's really really good. And and a, and a different um uh, a different theme as well, which was nice as well. It's really good. Yeah. Thank you, George. And it's, been and it's been great sitting in on the Zoom calls as well, the Zoom watch-alongs. I like it. It's great. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, there's, uh, hopefully we might get to win. Yeah, well, we'll um, be all right. We'll be all right. I don't know. It's, uh, Chelsea out the way, and I think we'll be all right then from then on. That's my that's my. Well, I, think, I, think, I mean, I, I fancy us against Chelsea. I always do. I do. I mean, we've got a week. You know, I mean, it's not like the players yeah. have had a, had a rest or anything for the last three months, but they've got a week but, to sort themselves out. Well, what, what, what do you know about what's happening with Hallow? Is he Snodgrass said he's gone for the season? I think I, I, I have no. I, I imagine my, my I, I don't have any, any, any clue. But you know, for me, I think, I think Hallow would. I think they, they didn't think he'd be back for Tottenham anyway, and Og as well, and um, they could both be back for Chelsea. So, who knows? Who knows? Was it in hope? 
we don't know. We live, we live in hope. We live in hope. We're West Ham fans. That's all we do. We hope for a brighter future. Anyway, George, thank you so much. And obviously, thanks to everyone for watching. Um, like, share, subscribe, do all that type of stuff. Comment, make notes. You know, anyone else you want me to interview, let me know. And I'll try and get them on. And until next time, for me and George, uh, take care, everybody. Stay safe. And we'll see you all very, very soon. See you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.